This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 305. Hello, hello, everybody. That means that it is a special kind of a show. We have a guest this week. It is Family Gamers Ultra this week. <laughs> <laughs> hello, we are the Family Gamers. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. And our guest this week, also a member of the Family Gamers writing crew, is Nick Martinelli. How's it going, Nick? Great. How you doing? We are good. We're a little jealous of you because we're having you on the show to talk about Gen Con. Well, it, w- it was it was a blast. <laughs> I appreciate you having me back. We are going to talk about Gen Con second half of the show. First half of the show, we're going to do all the things that we normally do, but with a little bit of a change. A little bit of a twist. I am doing the fact this week. You are doing the fact this week. And I'm going to display my chops at reading an ad. All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Job. So... We did some research this week on 305, and there are lots of things with 305 attached to them. But then I found this thing about Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305, which is a flight that was hijacked by an unidentified man in 1971. He remained unidentified for the entire length of the FBI investigation, which was 45 years. They only closed the investigation on this five years ago basically giving up. And there were some major implications from this hijacking. One of the biggest ones is it is the reason why airports have metal detectors today. So I do kind of wonder about that because now they've got the backscatter things and all this other junk that you have to go through unless you have TSA pre-check, but whatever. (laughs) Um, But so, okay. So what actually happened to the, so the plane was hijacked. What happened? So he had bought a plane ticket same day with cash He hijacked the plane, extorted $200,000 in ransom, asked to be flown to Mexico City, and then parachuted when they were over southwestern Washington. Nobody knows who he was, but when he bought the airline ticket, he gave the name Dan Cooper. uh, And in popular culture, he was known as D.B. Cooper. But we have no idea what this guy's name actually was or who he was or even if he survived that parachute jump. They found some of the money like 10 years later. Yeah. But they never found the guy and they didn't find the rest of the money. So pretty wild. Crazy, crazy stuff. So this is like an unsolved mystery? Yes, absolutely. A, a partially solved mystery, I think. Partially. Well, I mean, it. what's solved? I mean, they found some money, but other than that, they didn't really solve anything. I suppose that's true. They don't know who the guy was. They weren't able to stop him from doing the hijacking, but it changed security procedures for hmm. the rest of time. Now basically. all we need is that creepy guy with the baritone voice who does those unsolved mystery uh, TV shows. Robert, Robert I know, Pack, right? The words right out of my mouth. He's awesome. <laughs> Fun fact, he was also in the 1986 Transformers movie. He did the voice of Ultra Magnus. <laughs> nice. And that's why we have Nick on the show. <laughs> Transformers Ultra Nerd. For hard-hitting facts like that. <laughs> I connect the dots somehow. All right. Well, not to be outdone by my lovely wife, I also have a fact for this episode of the show. This is a fact about our sponsor, First Move Financial. So, Anitra, have you ever heard of the fun ratio? Uh, Maybe. Other than the last time I read this ad? No. Okay. 
So the fun ratio is a tool that parents can use to help their kids make decisions around buying their wants, the things they don't need, like toys or games. The fun ratio is really just the number of hours of fun per dollar spent. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So that like flashy, expensive toy that doesn't get played with more than once, low fun ratio. But I don't know, Royal Visit (laughs) provides hours of fun for really not very much money. I mean, I think we spent like $25 for that game. The point of this is not to encourage your kids to be cheap. Yeah, not the Dollar Tree toys. (laughs) But to compare options and think about how their money is enjoyed. This isn't always the best way to make decisions about money, but it can be a helpful framework. Having conversations like thinking about the fun ratio can help your kids understand how to get the best use out of their money and establish great habits for the future. This idea comes from The Opposite of Spoiled by Ron Lieber. If you want to talk about other ways to equip your children for the future, go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to schedule a time to talk to First Move today. Thanks again to First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. All right. Well, at this point in the show, it is time for us to talk about what we've been playing. And I have a stunning four games on my list, three of which we played tonight. I only have three games, so you beat me. I lied. I have five games on my list, one of which I didn't put on here, but three of which we played tonight. Okay. All right. Nick, why don't we start with you? How many games do you have on your list? <laughs> uh, a pretty good list. We've gotten together with some friends and family the last last couple of weeks. So um, I'll kind of go through. I, I just, well, we'll always take turns, right? So I'll start off with uh, one we played on the eve of our trip to Gen Con the night before. We played a game from BoardGameTables.com called Kabuto Sumo. Oh, I have wanted to play that one yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. It's, Did it's you like it? Neat. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what it was. I, I mean, I've heard a little bit about it here and there. I remember the Kickstarter. Um, yeah, but it's basically like you have like this. It's like a tree, like table board, and it's flat, kind of elevated. And then you have all these little um, plastic or resin style tokens, like they're large circles. You have like little shapes, little wooden shapes that are like the beetles. It's like a apparently like a beetle sumo wrestling game. <laughs> and then so you have like you know, your beetle has some special action or something like it. Give you a different little different wooden piece. And basically every single turn, you're taking a, one of the pieces that you have and you're putting it onto, you're pushing it onto the board and you're aiming to try to push your opponents off the board like a sumo match. So I thought it was, it was pretty fun. I, I definitely think it's a totally family friendly game. I played this game with two dudes that were over 50 who I went to the convention <laughs> with. They enjoyed it just as much as I did. I could see my kids loving this, especially Jace. He's kind of a, a budding wrestling fan being a nine-year-old, you know, like any nine-year-old would be. And uh, the artwork was really cute. I thought the uh, some of the wrestlers, the sumo wrestlers, had some nod to some real wrestlers and stuff. So it was kind of neat. So that was uh, Kabuto Sumo. It is really neat. It's one of those games that has a mechanism that I haven't really seen anywhere else because it's basically like a coin push game, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. the, the coin yeah. push arcade games. Yeah. Yep. But you're doing it with this wrestling bug theme, which is awesome. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's such a simple idea and it's kind of interesting slash amazing that there's not a lot more of this kind of slow moving dexterity game. I think maybe we're starting to see more games, not not like that, but more games that are dexterity, but without a speed component kind of coming into play. Yeah, that's interesting. It's really cool. I'm amazed nobody's thought of that mechanism, that coin push thing before. And I'm glad you mentioned it, too, because I totally spaced and didn't mention it. Yeah. <laughs> what was really cool about it. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll talk about a game uh, that we played that um, 
that we didn't end up finishing, which is why it wasn't actually on my list. Um, we played another game of Familiar Tales from Plaid Hat. Man, you know, I, I think I feel the same way basically about all of their games where I I really want to like them more than our family ends up liking them. And I feel this way. I mean, I feel like we got further in Mice and Mystics, but our whole family kind of struggled with Stuffed Fables as well. I, I mean, I know a lot of people talk about Stuffed Fables, but like mechanically, there's just so much going on and there's so much iconography and there's so many things you got to keep in your head. And every single one of these games, they do a little bit more to make it a little bit easier. Like this one was really cool. It has a companion app. It's fully voice acted. Like the entire story is read out to you narration wise. And the voice acting is really good. But at the end of the day, unless you're going back to it every single night to keep playing it, like there's too much stuff that you have to marshal and, and figure out every single time you play the game. And the prospect of getting the family to the table to play this game, like literally 40 times, right? It's, and each session is an hour. Yeah. It's just, I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, we, we probably, I would say we probably got 70% of the way through, I'll say, our mission the other night. And we were definitely going to lose. And, and we just, were still struggling to be like, wait, what does this symbol mean? Yeah. How I mean, do I, I think, use this card? I think we had pretty much figured it out. But at that point, like, the eight-year-old was like, I'm done with this. And the 11-year-old, he was like toughing it out with me. But, you know, I mean, the whole point of this was to do it as a family. And I just think, like, these games are games for, like, teenagers at the youngest. And, uh, I mean, they, they're they really, they feel to me like games that adults said, this is what a kid's going to like. Without, like, um, yeah. focus group testing it with kids. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like everything like, about it is super cool. And I love it. And I love the look of it. And I enjoyed playing it when I played it at PAX Unplugged. But, like... If it's not adults around the table, I just, I think it's a real struggle. I've definitely too. heard adults talking about playing games like Mice and Mystics or Stuff Fables, uh, and presumably eventually Familiar Tales, with their, you know, eight-year-olds or whatever. It's just not happening in our family. And I, I don't the, even... The stories, the stories are good, and Familiar Tales in particular with the voice acting really does start pulling you in like, wow, I want to see what happens, and can we make this work? But there's just so many aspects you need to keep in mind of what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? Other people can do these things. I can't do this thing. you know. And each scenario has additional kind of layers on top of that of for this scenario, you also need to know, you know this additional thing. And for her family, it was just too much. It kind of feels to me like uh, playing D&D &D or some other you know, rules-heavy kind of role-playing game like that with a DM who doesn't really know all the rules yet. And so every time you're like, oh, is this a thing I can do? Then it's, let me search through the rule book. Let me look. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a thing you can do, and you do it like this. Or let me search through. No, that doesn't look like a thing you can do. And it's just over and over and over like that. Yeah, I mean... I, I would love to hear from the community because um, I, I, I don't want to trash Plaid Hat because I think their stuff is super cool and super well thought out. And you can really see the love and the energy that's poured into oh, yeah. this stuff. I would love to hear from people in the community who have played these games with their kids and have had success because I just and I don't want to make assumptions. But the only way that I see this working with a younger kid and when I say younger, I mean eight or below is if mom or dad is basically making all of the decisions and just saying, right, Bobby, 
Yeah. And having to say yes or no. Cause I just, there's just, there's just a lot now. No, Nick, I think you said you tried stuff fables at one point. Yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of, at the beginning of the pandemic, we started, started it cause I, I bought it uh, for Izzy who's now 13 at this point. Uh, and we played, we had a similar kind of experience. Like Izzy was fine. Um, you know, myself, you know, our family is, we have a rule like dad needs to teach, learn the game before we try to play it. Cause I have, I'll have mutiny within five minutes. If there's any, yep, book yep, so absolutely. know the game. And it's, you know, I, so it's understanding I have Rainer in the same issues, you know, Jace, he was maybe seven at the time if I'm calculating math correctly, <laughs> seven or eight ish. And the uh, same thing, he was just kind of like, oof, this was like a lot, lot to process for him. And we were taken and, you know, he's a bright kid, but we were taking turns and we had to, okay, what would you like to do? And it's like, here's all the things you could do. So every turn we kind of reiterate, here's all the different things you could do. And then we had the same things that you nature hit. You'd hit a rule and it's like, oh crap. Okay. Now I have to go check the book and stuff. You know, I watched the watch it played video. You know, I tried to read as much as I could ahead of time and I still run into weird situations and I don't have a ton of experience playing like heavy tactical games. And I feel like stuff fables is kind of a tactical driven game, not so much mm-hmm. like a regular strategy board game. So I have less experience in that. So maybe that added to it, but I definitely agree. I think it would be as best with older kids mixed with adults. I think it, you know, a 12, 13 year old plus, unless your kid is a genius and um, there's those, there's those kids out there that could be grokking, you know, <laughs> pandemic legacy at six or something like that. If you started them that early, but it's just not, yeah. not everybody's right. like that. And, you know, this this really does put into contrast just how shocked I was when we played the Adventure Zone with our kids. Yes. Because, like, that intellectual property is not for children. Yeah. But the game's But the game's clean, and the mechanics of that game are so much more streamlined that you can just play it. It's like a six-page rule book, and most of the pages are additional side yeah, it's, content. It's like a one-minute teach. Oh. And, and – you know, and you're off and running. And I just have not had that experience with uh, any plaid hat game except for maybe Quirky Circuits, which is not like the rest of their games. I would love to hear from people in the community who have played this or really any of the games in this kind of Jerry Hawthorne series of games to get your opinion, to get your take, because I really, really want to enjoy it more than our family does. That's where I'm at. Yeah. My turn. On a much, much lighter note, Along the lines of the 30-second teach, uh, we got in a couple of Bananagrams games for eventual review, and one of them is called Word-A-Melon. I saw this and I was like, okay, I've got two good shots at playing this with my kids because this is both a word game and a memory game. So I got one kid who enjoys word games and one kid who enjoys memory games, and I got to be able to get at least one of them to like this game. Word-A-Melon... You have a big watermelon-shaped board and a bunch of little tokens that represent watermelon seeds all over the board. You roll a die, and it tells you how many seeds you can flip over. On the opposite side of each seed is a letter. So you're going to be flipping over three, four, or five letters, and then trying to make a word with the letters you flipped over. You make the longest word you can using just those letters. And then all of the letters that you actually managed to use in your word, you get to take. Any that you weren't able to use stay on the board and you flip them back over. That's where the memory component comes in. So then the next person can roll and maybe they want that, you know, you that you left behind last time. Or maybe they want to avoid the Z that you flipped over and couldn't use. And so they're going to try to use their memory as they're flipping over new you know, letter tiles to make words themselves. And the goal is just keep going until 
no more words can be made with what's left. The last time we played, it was all consonants left on the board. And then just whoever has the basically the tallest stack of tiles wins the game. Yeah, the important thing about this game is that it's not like you're making words that contain the letters. It's the word can only have the letters that you flipped over. So you're trying to come up with three, four, or five letter words. Yeah, and that's part of what keeps it accessible for mm-hmm. family play. That, yeah. you know, you're not going to break out... You know, some sesquipedalian because it has all of the show letters in off. it. Show off. Show <laughs> off. But I can't do that in this game. That's my point. Anyway. So, yeah, we played that uh, tonight. You've played it a couple times, and then we played it again tonight. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, and I won. So, of course, it was fun. So, of course, it was fun. <laughs> uh, but importantly, even though both of our kids lost to me and Andrew, they didn't hate it. They'd be willing to play it again. And it's one of those games that... You know, the setup takes longer than the teach, and the setup still only takes under two minutes. Like, as long as you have one or two people who know how to play going first, yeah, you don't even you get have, to have to set time aside to teach it, because yeah. you just kind of get it after that. For what it's worth, there are two alternate ways to play in the rulebook that we have not tried yet, uh, one of which takes the memory out of the equation, and the other one of which takes the taking turns part out of the equation. So I'm curious to see how either one Yikes. or both of those are going to work. The one with no turns is called Word of Yellen. <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. All right. All right. So another new family. I want to say it's new because we've had it for a little bit, uh, but I keep bringing it back to my folks when we do like game days over at my folks. Uh, it's a game called Ratzia, published by Devere Games, one of my kind of favorite little small publishers for filler games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's designed by Sophia Wagner. She's had a lot of cool, uh, some cooler titles come out in the last couple of years. So, uh, but basically the game, it's, it's really easy. It's super simple. I think it plays up to five, if I remember correctly. And basically what you're doing on your turn, you're rolling dice, kind of Yahtzee style. You're going you to roll, actually you can roll twice. So it's not fully Yahtzee, but you're going to roll twice and you're going to pick dice. And then there's this board. And the game is kind of thematically driven around mice trying to get food. So you're trying to stash crackers, cheese, and all things sausages <laughs> into, <laughs> into little, the little, little cute little uh, bags that the game came with. And you're going to do that by there on the board itself. There's these little little tracks you're basically going to put dice. It'll be like one roll have like one, two, three, four, five, six. And one will have like all fives or, uh, you know, matching dice and et cetera. So and when you place your dice on the board, you know, you have to kind of push your luck and hopefully you can roll and get all the dice to kind of fill one column at a time. And then when you put a die on the very top of the row, the row scores basically. So if, uh, when you re- pull off each die, it'll give you, it'll be an icon of like a sausage and you can take that. Or sometimes there's not, or sometimes there's a benefit. Like the first column, if you complete the column, you can take the die on the, you know, from yours on the top and then move it to the bottom of any other row. Uh, any other column, which could be like three sausages. So you can actually snake away some points from other players, but there's a twist. So there's a little bit of push your luck in, in where my family, especially my dad, because he loves games where he can steal from people for some reason. He's like a hit klepto apparently when it comes to playing games. So what you're doing is in this one row, you could actually steal. So if you, you know, get two sets, you know, if you complete two matching pairs of dice, then you can steal half the amount of dice or half the amount of points or tokens that you have in front of you rounded up if it's an odd from another player. So naturally, anytime my dad rolls two sets of doubles, you could have four points, but he's sure enough, he's going to take those four points from you. And then the way you can protect your points is to, there's another column that you stash. So you have a little burlap sack that you have in front of you and you can, you know, stash tokens in the bag and then they're protected and then basically you keep playing until somebody secretly scores 25 points worth of food tokens and you win the game super easy it's a quick teach 
only challenge is like everybody's so quick to like pull their dice off and take their rewards, but you really have to work at it from the left side of the board to the right because you could trigger things that go along. Like I can move my sure. die, which could trigger something else to mm-hmm, happen. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I always have to be kind of be the referee and like, okay, hold on, mom. Wait, before you do that, you know, you could do this first, but, uh, right, but it's a lot right, of fun, right. cute artwork. And it's been a family favorite. We've my parents have asked me the last couple times we came over to bring it. So I always make sure. Did your dad like that. buried treasure? Have you played that with him? Yes. My family loves buried treasure. My parents <laughs> love it. My dad loves the what is it called? The snack, the sneaky snatchy or the what's whatever the it is. The steel gimme, one. Gimme, yeah. gimme or whatever it is. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's such it's been a blast. We bring that one to our friend's house that are, you know, uh, you know, budding. I'll call them budding new gamers because I'm trying to bring him into the fold. Yeah, uh, that's all yeah, good. Very Treasure is great. Such a fun nice. game. All right. Um, the next game I'm going to talk about is a cooperative game that is very cute and very entertaining. Our entire family played it tonight. Uh, and I think everybody enjoyed themselves. I think so. Yeah. Right. And that is Pavlov's Dogs. And this is a game from Ninth Level Games. And we, we got this back at PAX East. But uh, this is a, a really cute a cooperative game. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but there is this portfolio and in the portfolio are up to eight experiments and everybody gets to take a turn as the dog tour and they're conducting an experiment. And what these experiments are, are different rules that add on to the game. So it might be something like when you play a speak card, you have to say hi or Say the, the name of every brown yeah, card. Yeah, say the name of every brown played. card. The bell card is worth 10 instead of zero. And so what happens is uh, everyone's dealt out five cards and they go around. So you, you have this experiment, in, say, in the first round, and everybody knows what the experiment is. So everybody knows what the rule is. But then you hide the portfolio so people have to remember what it is. And everyone's going around. One at a time, they play a card into the middle. And they have to add their card's value to whatever the stack value is. So standard arithmetic. But there's also whatever that special rule is. So if it's, you know, bells are 10 instead of zero, you have to remember that. And if you put down a card and perform your arithmetic correctly and you follow all the rules, the dog tour that's conducting the experiment says, Good dog. Good dog. And if you screw something up, bad dog. And then they take away a bone. And they take away a bone. Everybody starts with three bones. Now... So it goes around and eventually everybody spends all their cards into the middle and you can actually reallocate bones. So you don't get bones back. But like if you have one player who's obviously going to struggle, you can give that player, you know, some more bones out of the collective bone stash. And then the portfolio goes to the next person and they add another experiment, but they don't take the first one away. So now there's two special rules that you have to follow. You go, you do the same thing again. Everybody gets five cards. And you, go, and you go through the whole thing, but you've got to now follow both of those rules. And then it goes to the next person, the next person. And the idea is that every person is going to have a chance to be the dog tour. And as the portfolio goes around the table, you're adding another experiment every single time. By the end of the game for us, we had five rules that we all we had to remember all five of these rules while we were playing the game. I would say that like four to five is is like my threshold because... At that point, there were a couple of times when someone would do something and I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm glad like, it wasn't me because I would have forgotten. Is that, that right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was even fun because like our eight year old played and he ha- he can't just be like, oh, I know what, you know, 55 plus six is like he has to think about it for a second. And that's totally fine. This isn't a speed game. So it's helping him a little bit with his arithmetic. Uh, everybody at the table is super happy when he gets it right. Yes, we're all rooting for him, yeah, which, which makes it nice. So that's all great. It's just entertaining. And it's very silly, too, because like, oh, Good doggy. It cracks me up that one of the sets of rules you can pick from 
are silly rules because of obviously this game is not silly enough already <laughs> with you know saying good dog and having to speak the names of the cards and you know maybe reverse direction and all that no no we have silly rules as well which are things like uh stick your tongue out when a bell card is played which is you know thematic with it being pavlov's dogs or Roll your bark. hands when roll is played. <laughs> bark when speak comes out. Or that was bark one. when speak yeah. comes out. Stuff or like something that. like that. So yeah. it's definitely, you know, it's not supposed to be the super intense strategic game. It's supposed to be silly. It's supposed to be fun. And and it was. Everybody at the table enjoyed playing it. The whole family is willing to play it again. And I mean, I really think that that's pretty much the best you can ask for from a board game. Yeah. And this is one of those great family games that, especially because it's cooperative, you can play with as few as three people or as many as I think eight, uh, without significantly changing the tenor of the game, it does get harder with more players, mostly just because you have to remember the rules longer and the numbers get higher in the arithmetic that you're doing. But the actual like number of rules you end up using or aiming for is determined by a difficulty chart. So I think three rules is easy, five rules is normal, and uh, it's like seven or seven or eight is the hard difficulty. And so you're only going around a certain number of times before game's over, no matter how many players you have. And how do how does a cat family react to a dog family, dog and dog inspired game? Um, we are primarily a cat family, but like dogs are fine. I actually like I could be a dog uncle. I've said that before. I'm fine with it. I personally love that the theming of Pavlov's dogs extends even beyond the silliness we've already described, that each of the different families of rules have their own dog tour personality, which combines some popular breed of dog with a psychologist, a famous psychologist. It's entertaining. It's good stuff. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. So I, I think the thing about the game that is important is number one, it's fun for everybody. And number two, like it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like it knows what it is. You know what I mean? And you, it's not like you're trying to make the game do something that it's not, or it's not trying to make itself, you know, represent as something that it's not. Yeah, it's kind of your choices are be silly or very silly. Yeah. yeah. There's no like, I'm going to play this game straight. It doesn't exist. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. All right. What about you, dear? Well, why don't I talk a little bit about Germs, which is the other Bananagrams game that we got in. Sure. True to form, this is another, the setup probably takes longer than how to teach the game. Germs is, I think it's an intentional misspelling of germs because it's all themed around these tiny little things that you're trying to match up and whoever was sick recently goes first. (laughs) (laughs) Germs is a tile laying, tile matching game and you are trying to make groups of your color and the larger the group, the more points you're going to get. So if it's got one of your germs in it, you'll get one point. But if it's got two germs in a connected group, you'll get four points. If it's got three germs, you'll get nine points. I think the largest grouping we've seen is four, which gets you 16 points because it's four guys each worth four points each. It's pretty much as simple as that. The tiles have to be placed down in such a way that they match as many sides as they're touching. So a lot of times you can block people out and make positions where they can't possibly put a tile in there because there's no way they can match all the sides. It's a great way to block people off. It's one of those highly tactical games that is still very simple to get started with. Uh, You are going to spend a lot of time both trying to figure out how to maximize your points and also block people as much as possible from getting, you know, more than one point on their turn. 
Yeah, because with only a few exceptions, you're probably going to be closing off something and therefore giving someone points almost every time you play a tile. Basically every time. So, well, I have four players, it really is every time you play yeah, a tile. Yeah, so you have, I mean, that's not always going to be you. You might get a tile that's not your color. So you have to make decisions on the best way for you to give other people points, which is kind of an interesting uh, kind of strategic thought process to go through. Yeah. So that's Germs. So Germs and uh, Wordermelon, both from Bananagrams. We'll be talking about those snap reviews probably in, Pretty in the near future. Yep. All right, back to you, Nick. One more. What? Oh, man, one more. Okay. One more. Ooh. Una mas. I'll All give right. you two. You know what? You're the guest. Okay. You can talk All about right. two games. Yeah, I got, a, I got a list. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll go with, because I think you guys have this one. Have you guys played Creature Conference yet? We have it. We have it. But we haven't played it yet. <laughs> Okay, well, that's because you have all those that those wonderful stacks of review games you have to get. I know, to I know. Before I know. the stuff you just bought on your own, right? Um, but it, you are you are depressingly accurate on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling because I work with you all. But yes, um, but so Creature Comforts is one of our favorite publishers from the Family Gamers uh, Kids Table Board Games, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's a very again their art style is super cute, super approachable, very fr- family friendly. So I would say it's kind of like a introduction to worker placement. Andrew, would you say it's almost like a family friendly version of like Lords of Ladder Deep? <laughs> or try to um, I mean, I like the description. Game, if I had played the game, I would be able to tell you. <laughs> what it was. Fair enough. Uh, I love it. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. If, maybe I'm going to stretch there trying to link it together. But the premise of the game is you're trying to store up as many cool little things for your uh, your little animal cubby you know, as winter's approaching. So you spend the seasons, you know, using your little animal tokens to go out and do stuff. So like, it's a very light worker placement. You're going to different locations to do different things. You're going to roll dice to then allocate where, you know, one spot that you have to put dice there equals greater than a, a number, like greater than 11 or something like that. And if you make that happen with the dice, you get whatever resource you're collecting these little resources and then you're trading those resources in for a creature comfort. It might be like a rocking chair or a pair of snowshoes. And then some of those creature comfort cards, are those are where it's going to score you points at the end of the game. And it's really cool because some of them combo together. So there'll be, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. There was one that it comboed with socks. So if you had socks and another creature comfort card, you would score extra bonus points. So, so have you played our travels? Yes. Yes. I love that. Game. Compare. Yes. Com- can you compare those two? Cause Ooh. what you described a lot of things that were very similar. To okay. Travels. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think mechanics wise. Cause yes, you're going to, you're collecting resources to then trade in. So it, it's, I definitely see some parallels there. You, like in the art travels, you're getting different, you know, colored spools of yarn to craft yeah. those items. Yeah. Very yeah. similar things. So I'm going to grab like water tokens and I'm forgetting the other like wheat. And there are a couple other tokens or like a storybook and you're going to collect those and then trade them in for a comfort. Yeah. It's a s- similar thing. Okay. And then okay. The, these it sounds like it's in. just a little bit like bigger of a game, but with yes. a lot of the oh, same. Definitely. Themes. Yeah. Okay. It definitely right. was. And it, and it went over really well with um, Izzy, you know, being older, you know, she grokked it right away. Uh, Jace needed a little at nine. He needed a little bit of help. I think the game is eight and above. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you know, he's kind of new to worker placement games. So this was kind of a new thing for him. So he needed a little sure. bit of help. And then, you know, he got it after a while, but, Oh, yeah, they just knocked it out of the park with the artwork. I think I, I did back the deluxe version, so I got all like the blinged out nice wooden tokens and stuff. It was definitely. Fantastic. I don't remember which one I backed. I have no idea. <laughs> I, doesn't matter. So, until I have no idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, 
you know, reason to get it to the table. So very cool. I give it a super high rating. I, I can't wait to bring it to my board game meetup and just play it with other adults. I mean, it's, it's great nice. playing with the fam, but I think it'll go over well with uh, my strategy game buddies. I have a question for you because yeah. I listened to the uh, the recommendation of Creature Comforts on the Game Schooler podcast uh, ah. the other day. They said that they, at- they're not a sponsor of the show, uh, by the way. I do need to throw that out there. Well, I, just our interests <laughs> dovetail very nicely. But no, they were saying that once they tried it with what's kind of the recommended intro of like make the season slightly shorter. They tried it once as, quote-unquote, the full game and decided they're never going to do the full game again and huh. only do the shorter game. Since you've actually played it, yeah. I'm wondering what you what you think about that. So Izzy claimed that she set up the shorter game, but I believe we played like the full game because Jace kept going, is this, you know, is, are we are we done yet? Because he was getting, mm. you know, he, was, he was about, you know, hit his limit. But I think we played the full, I, I don't know, I think it would end too early because by the time I kind of got my... I don't want to say engine going, but I, as I kind of got things moving along, I was getting resources I needed. I kind of was figuring out where to go and then how the seasons worked. And because in the, there's certain seasons you won't get resources. So sure. you know, that's the other kind of neat thing with the game too, is if some of the comforts that are up there, if you don't have resources for them early on, you know, eventually they'll fall off because each round a new card will, a card will drop. Oh, sure, from, sure. You know, then they'll slide the scale over, um, get more stuff. But uh, I don't know. I it, so I feel like it would end too early. But maybe with younger kids, the half game would work. You just would have to watch out some of those comforts you may not be able to fulfill because you couldn't get yeah. the resources. I think it's supposed to be more than half. I think you take one round out of spring and one out of summer and okay, leave yeah. fall full. That sounds about uh, right. Something like that. So that you still get that full end game experience of like, okay, now I've built up my stuff and I can do these big important things. It just shortens up the first part of the game, I guess. Yeah. It was great as is. <laughs> but I could, <laughs> right. see, I could see scaling it back for younger kids. Uh, I definitely wouldn't want to play it scaled back because I felt like I would fall short of you know doing all the cool stuff and getting all the stuff for my little cubby. Okay, cool. I do find those games where like there's all the things you want to do and there's yeah. not enough time in the game to yep. do them. Like intensely frustrating. But like yeah. I think that's a good tension in games. It makes you want to so, come back and do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's like, ah, I can do that better. Like Res Arcana is like that for me. Every single time I play, <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we got rid of it because i got so frustrated same thing i was on that train and bandwagon with that game it's really cool i would premise wise but i still i just can't grok it at all i can't wrap my head around it i played on board game arena with a friend and he just i think i beat him once i don't know how many times you play it's just you get it going it's like uh, it's the kind of game okay. where if your brain can parse the formula you will just destroy, destroy the people, people yeah, left and right. yeah completely agree yeah, yeah so it takes me a while whatever. to get there sometimes I'm, I'm with you on that one nick like i kind of grasp it but not well enough to play well so yeah yeah i got sick of getting my tail handed to me in that game and i do like engine builder games like fantastic factories and like great engine builder and that one my some for some reason it clicks with my brain really well and i can figure that one out mm-hmm. and i think i've gotten to the point i don't know if this is i don't know why i call this cheating but i think it's because i'll blame board game arena but as i'm starting to play games when i use board game arena they have this little notepad you can take notes and so you're like yes. what am i going to do when i come back later and and I've actually found myself, I don't know if maybe this is I'm getting older or what, but I find it really helpful if I'm playing like a heavy strategy game. Oh, dude, I use that thing all the time. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. And I'm Absolutely. starting to do it like in tabletop. Like when I go to my game meetup, I have like this little tiny, I don't know, three inch little pad of paper and I like this little, you know, I can close it and open it a little pencil. I actually started like playing Viticulture. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this on my next turn. And it helps me kind of move the game yeah. along. So I'm not holding fine. people yeah. back. Fine. It's been a huge help. So pro tip. <laughs> 
have a little notepad if you're playing a heavy strategy game. But especially if it's one of those games where, you know, you're going to be waiting for several turns. Yeah. Like, I right. definitely find I start planning something out and then I get distracted and then I look back at the board and I'm like, okay, I think I remember what I was going to do, but oh no, things have changed and now I now I have no idea. Yeah. I, yeah. Or it your is whole all gone. Like- I've lost it. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm going to cash in my stuff for this card. It's going to be great. It's going to work well with what I got. And then boom, somebody else takes it. I'm like, now what am I going to do? So, <laughs> happens all the time. All right. Well, and speaking of what we're going to do, I think we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Gen Con. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm going to be jealous for a while. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be great. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back. I figure, Anitra, since you had our fact, I would actually welcome people back from the break. Well, isn't that nice? It's, you know, I'm, I'm all for equality and parity. All right. Well, we're going to talk about Gen Con. Okay, let's talk about Gen Con. Which means mostly Nick is talking. Yeah, so that's true. take it away, that's Nick. True. Take it away, Nick. Oh, great. So okay. seriously, so yeah. uh, four-day event, but you only had a chance to go for one day. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. So we don't have our normal two-hour marathon Coverage. show of interviews, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, first of all, I have to ask this question. Did yeah. you see Bigfoot? I saw Bigfoot. Yes. All right. I have, awesome. I have, I have a selfie with Bigfoot. I have pictures of Bigfoot. Very cool. Very that cool. was like cool bucket list thing to see. Like the original yeah. So did, I, did you hear about this? Bigfoot, the monster truck, right? Yeah. So yeah. for the game coming from XYZ Labs, who are the same people who do our travels, which we right. mentioned before, yep. um, the, the Bigfoot game, we talked a bit about this. I took a couple of videos from uh, Unplugged. Yeah. Corey and I played around with it. They got the original Bigfoot. Fantastic. The OG Bigfoot number one Fantastic. with the guy who originally built it. Yeah, he that's was here on the show. So that's, that's pretty cool. cool. And it wasn't as big as I thought. You see like these monster trucks on TV. It was like, it looked like, you know, the, the, the raised, normal raised Chevy, whatever pickup Ford Chevy pickup <laughs> It looks truck. like an F-150. Yeah. I mean, it was <laughs> like from 1982 or whatever struck, but you know, I had the big wheels. I mean, like I'm standing next to it. I'm like, okay, wow. I'm like, I, my head reaches the door. It just looks so much bigger when you're a kid, I guess. And they're like uh, gigantic size now, but yeah. yeah really I mean, cool the monster trucks that. now really are just ridiculously Massive. huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the first thing I saw. Cause right when we, cause we had oh, it cool. in. Because like you said, we were doing we were doing it for one day. We weren't in the mind space, I think is the easiest way to say it, to go all four days, current climate and all that stuff. So we felt comfortable going one day. So we uh, started our day really early. We left here in Illinois about four o'clock in the morning because there were some rumors floating around the Facebook fans of Gen Con page, which is a great source of information for Gen Con about the Vax line. That is just like Wednesday. It was kind of chaotic. They shut it down. So we were all kind of like, shoot. If we're going to have to, you know, wait in a line to get a wristband, you know, I always err on the side of caution. <laughs> like I know Gen Con, you know, the floor, the floor's open from eight to six and I want to be there from eight to six. So we, after talking about it, like, all right, let's just do it. So we left at four o'clock in the morning, got in there about eight o'clock and <laughs> if all things got through the, the wristband line, there was no line. We just walked up, got a wristband, showed our things and, and went on our way. Cool. So we, my buddies are like old school Fantastic. gamers. They played D&D back in the 80s and they used to play all like the, the war strategy games. So like, hey, let's go check out the minis area because that place was open. So we walked in there and then sure enough, I'm walking through, there's the Bigfoot. So we sat down and uh, we got a demo from one of their team members there and played it. It, it was really cool. I didn't know what to expect because an action programming game, in which mm-hmm. I think I only own one action programming game. I think it's an older one. Uh, it's a Bill and Ted's <laughs> excellent <adventure laughs> programming game. I bought it simply because it was Bill and Ted's. I think sure. I've only played it twice in maybe the 
I don't know how many years. I hate to admit I own it, but but yeah, so it's an action programming game. And the coolest thing about it is you have these gigantic dice. And I wouldn't say dice. They're tires. They're big rubber tires about the size of my fist. And each side has like a number and has a card symbol and has a caution symbol. So on your turn, you're going to roll these dice Yahtzee style three times, take the best, whatever you want to you know do. And you're going to get like action points. So if you roll like a six and a five, you'll have 11. You happen to have another three, you'll get 14. So I'd have 14 action points and I can buy tiles with the action points or with those action points to let me, I can move straight. I can drive my truck straight or I can make a 90 degree angle left or right. I can do a 360. Uh, I can move. I think one of the tokens was like cost you zero action points, but I'll let you move one space. So you would spend those action points and you would do your run. So you, the whole thing of the monster truck thing is this like a freestyle game where you're, you know, jumping ramps and trying to crush things and drive by like tokens and stuff for like the wow factor fireworks. Uh, you'll have to jump over things. And, uh, and there's other ones where you just land on top of things. You score points for like just, you know, making on top of this obstacle. But the crux of it is when you roll these dice, if you get one of these little uh, caution or hazard tokens, the player next to you has to put a hazard onto the field. Uh, but at any rate, so yeah, you you're, you get seven tiles or seven actions that you could do, and then you're going to run that run through your program basically, starting from left to right, and you're going to go straight, hit a ramp, and jump, and then you know do X Y Z. You're marking off the little obstacles or whatever as you're going along to track the points. So it was really easy to keep track of that. Action program is maybe not my strength, but I had a couple ones where I goofed. I'm like, oh shoot, I mixed the straight tile with the 90 degree tile because you're trying to draw it out in your head and not give away what you're doing. So I goofed, but then it was easy enough. Like okay, well where I was, and the nice thing is you have these cards. So they have these cards that you could use and like, okay, you can repeat a move and you can play them anytime you want. So when I did screw up and made the right angle turn instead of going straight, I had luckily had the card in my hand where I could duplicate a, a card that uh, action that I already took and I was able to correct my route. So like, okay, hold on. I'm going to go straight then now make the turn. So that was, those were a nice little lifesaver cards in that super production value. I think they have like gamer trays did the board. So like the board, like, you know, four pieces of plastic kind of combines. It's got the arena. It's got the textures and stuff. So super, I can see kids loving this. It's super tactile. And the one thing I was really excited about, they had a rookie mode. Uh, when you play with younger kids where you don't use the the action programming tiles, you just use the numbers rolled on the tire dice. So if you rolled, you had 14 points, then you can just move 14 spaces and do whatever you want. I don't know if the 360s were thrown in there or not, but you can play it with way younger children uh, just by doing mm-hmm. that. I think it's a good way to you know help them. You know, I would say it's like you know the three levels above Robot Turtles. If you're thinking about an action, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like your jump. If you started with Robot Turtles, you could easily make the jump there, and it's nice they had that rookie mode to kind of scale it up. And I think it even had a solo mode too. So cool, very neat. So that was really neat. Yeah. I remember from talking to them at Unplugged that those tire dice. Yeah are actually scale models from the Bigfoot tire. Oh, okay. That was kind of a a nice attention to detail. Yeah, it was yeah. completely and totally unnecessary. <laughs> totally. Yeah. The thing I was struggling with, like, because we, you know, we were playing, you know, like your normal folding tables they have at convention stuff. So like, how do we roll in these dice? Because <laughs> they're tires. <laughs> they're going to go all over. So and like, if you have a nice, like, this. nice gaming table that's like recessed in, they're not going to go off. But if you're playing this, the kitchen table, you right. these yeah. rolling. I said to my buddies, like, when we get this one, we're going to have to just play it on the living room floor and you can roll yeah. the dice. They're, they're, they're big, you know, like in a kid's hand, they're going to be way bigger than a child's hand. So it's going to be sure. interesting to watch, but it was definitely a lot of fun. I ended up pre-ordering a copy. So I'm fingers crossed it delivers for Christmas, you know, with all the supply chain woes. Awesome. So, Very cool. Well, it's a good thing. Jace doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. I'll just fast forward. Fast yeah. Forward. <laughs> so walking through that same hall, Avalon Hill Hasbro had a gigantic booth in that area. 
They had this massive hero quest banner. I thought I was going to, you know, died and gone to heaven. I got to hold like the broadsword and whenever I talked to, I actually got to talk to one of the game designers that worked on hero quest. So it was fun talking to them. He was asking, drilling me, asking all kinds of questions. What do you like about this and that and this and that? And what do you think about this? And I'm like, just keep the releases coming, you know, all the tables. So I was able to pick up my little promos. They had like a design your own adventure kit notepad that I got. And then they had like a promo sheet of cards that you can, you know, cut, but I'm never going to cut them. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave them as is. Cause with hero quest, you just collect the stuff and then, you know, I can print them out online and, you know, on cardstock and throw them in. Oh, you're so, killing me. At least so. you're honest with yourself. Yeah, right, yeah, right. You know, so that was really cool. I got to see that. All right. Well, so last week we talked about computational thought and board games. Uh, yes, we And did. we just spent a whole bunch of time talking about action programming. Uh, we did. So one of the big hits of the show from all the social media was Turing Machine, which is a game that we are both excited for. Uh, yes. And Anything that is Turing Machine themed seems super cool to me. I have not let Hachette ride on this one. Every time they, they post another post about it, I make, you know, lovey eyes. And I asked if you could try your best to go see it. I saw it. I walked past the booth. <laughs> <It was cool>. <laughs> <laughs> the booth was crowded, which is great. Uh, you Good know, Hachette them. is historically like a book publisher. I, I'm a work for a book publisher myself. So yep. it's cool. It was yep. cool to see a, a book publisher breaking into a different market. But yeah, that booth was packed and I'm pretty sure they had, they had a sold out sign uh, when I walked by there too. I kind of stopped, kind of was kind of eyeballing it and kind of getting get able to check it out and just from afar from seeing people mm-hmm. play it. And mm-hmm. yeah, that booth was just mobbed. You couldn't get to a table. Oh, good you know, for them. Good for them. I, I know they out. had quantity for each day. So yeah, they might have been sold out on day one and then, right. you know, like the next day they had more or whatever. Yeah. But I'm really glad for them. You know, um, Mike Young was with Hachette back at Gamma and he was trying very hard to get a copy of it to Gamma so that we, you know, he, he could show it off, play whatever. And he got a preview copy or like a prototype copy of it, but none of the rules. So he's like, well, I have the game, but I don't know how to play it. And if you look at Turing Machine, if you look at the game, it seems like the kind of game you probably want to know how to play. (laughs) So we weren't really able to play it. Uh, unfortunately, but I mean, so the theming on it is definitely on point. You're basically using punch cards Mm -hmm. to crack the code of something. And you're trying to figure out if it's a, you know, less than greater than what's the relationship between three numbers, I guess. But that's about all I've got as a computer scientist, not only the name, but the way they've themed this together is fantastic to me. It builds into that whole Boolean logic thing we were talking about last week. Big time. I I might just buy this game because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I need to own this game as someone who has made a career in computer science. I feel like you and I are going to love this game, and the only one of our kids who's going to be remotely interested is the one who's interested in computer programming. And the rest are going to be like, like, why is this a fun game? I don't even understand. Yeah, or or they'll like the intro levels and that's it. Yeah, maybe. Well, I I don't know. Let's let's go with two more. Give me two more things that you saw uh, at the show because surely you didn't spend your entire day with Bigfoot and HeroQuest. No, I did not. Uh, Meeple Source. I was able to hit uh, Meeple Source and pick up some Wingspan Bling that I wanted to get that was on my list. Uh, Made my way through. Uh, I got to visit with some of our friends of the show. Uh, I met up with our buddy, Andy Jeremiah. I'm he's, so jealous. He texted he's, me. He's like, hey, you're going to be at Gen Con? I'm like, yeah. no. I miss him. Yeah, he's uh, he's such a wonderful guy. Such a, such a cool dude. So I, I made a point to make sure to stop over by Fox Mine where he was at. He was demoing his new game, Sports Dice Soccer, and his uh, mm-hmm. series of Sports Dice games. Yep. So I, got a, I was actually, that was the second game I got to play for the day. We played a quick <laughs> round of it while I was there. Uh, very so, fun okay. Game. So you have, you've played baseball and football? 
Yes. Yeah. Baseball. Yeah. I've owned them both. How does soccer compare to the the other two? Soccer reminds me a lot of the football one. It's just like okay, the good, offense good. defense. Even though I'm a baseball guy, I actually yeah. like sports size football better than sports size baseball. Okay. Yeah, the, the, that one mo- seems to move a lot faster than the baseball. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe that's because of baseball. I mean, that that's on brand. Right. I, yeah, I, I, love so, baseball I feel like soccer takes goodness. forever. Yeah. No, baseball takes forever. <laughs> okay, but soccer <laughs> takes forever. Uh, watching Ted no, Lasso. No, soccer I mean, just has low scores. Like <laughs> Look, I like Ted Lasso, but you know, have you seen Moneyball? I mean, come on. <laughs> we can throw it down. Anyway. Right? Anyway. Yeah, so that was fun. It was nice to see Andy. His his game sold out. They like sold out, sold out. So good, good for like, him. He, good. Saved, he saved us a copy to you know do a review for in the oh, future. Oh, sweet. So we have an early copy of it. Uh, All right. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. He's such Thanks, a cool Andy. Dude. Yeah. He's enjoying Florida, he said. So <laughs> we miss him up here in the uh, not so frigid north. Andy's yeah. just a riot. I love him very much. For anyone oh, who is you. new to the show and doesn't really know who we're talking about with Andy Jeremiah, we first interviewed him all the way back on episode eight <laughs> of the Family Gamers podcast. He has designed a bunch of light family games. We have enjoyed basically all of the ones that we've played. Mm. Um, and we've had him back on the show a number of times. Yep. Uh, he's just a great guy. Anyway. Yeah. Back to Nick. Yeah. So after that, and then I ran into our pal Mark from Grand Gamers Guild. All so right. Made, made it a point to stop by and say hello over there. I had uh, the holiday hijinks birthday uh, escape room on my hit list that I had to buy. So yes. I was able to pick up a copy of that. And then while Excellent. I was there, that Belgian uh, beer race game. Yep. Yes. Kind of catching my eye for a while. So I was kind of questioning about it. I'm like, all right, Mark, how heavy is this game? Because I'm looking at the box. There's mm-hmm. a lot of po- there's a lot of pieces. It is look- physically very heavy. It is very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's right, a lot yeah. of wood in, that, in box. that box. There's, there's a, a lot, lot of, of wood box. in yeah, that box. I, I open it up and I'm like, whoa! When I got home, so but yeah, I, you know, I was looking at it because I have some friends and I, I, I'm new to the you know the beverage beer world myself, so mm-hmm. I don't know much about it. I know what a couple drinks that I like, and I have some friends that are like huge beer fanatics. So I'm like, okay, this could be fun. So I was, you know, they're newer gamers. So I don't like, I wouldn't throw Dinosaur Island at, at these friends of mine. I love them to death. So I was asking him, like, how heavy is this? So we actually, he's like, I don't know. Let's go check on board game games. So we looked it up and I got a him and how I'm like, all right, you know what? You know, Mark says it's good. I'm going to trust him. So I picked up a copy of that. So I'm looking forward to get that one to the table. Awesome. I also saw from them, they have the new Monarchs expansion for Endangered. So they mm-hmm. had that. Yep. They had that there at the con. I had pre-ordered my copy and got it ready, which he was teasing me a little bit, Andrew, because he said when we met up a couple weeks ago. Uh, in person in Michigan, he said, you know, I should have just gave you your pre-order to give to you so I didn't have to mail it. Yeah, that would have worked. He gave us ours. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know what I was thinking. You guys were getting together. So, yeah. Um, oh, well. So that was cool. And then uh, I guess, uh, you know, because I can go on all day about this, but I'll go some hit some of like the surprises, some of the cool stuff that I, I saw. Game right. Always stop by them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they were packed. You couldn't get into that booth. That super mega lucky box. I said it right. Yes. The game rules. <laughs> so good. It is amazing. Uh, I was standing at the booth. I was talking to somebody. I'm like, just buy it. Like it is it is like adult bingo. Your family will love it. You can play with your grandmother. You can play with your 10 year old. It's an amazing game. Buy it, buy it, buy it. I think I've sold. I don't know how many copies I've lost track in my circle of friends. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everybody that plays it loves it. So they're, they were packed there. They have a new train game that looked like they were demoing. I wish I could remember the name of it, uh, but it was looked pretty neat. So they were hopping and happening. Uh, another one that I was excited to see, I was stopped by Renegade Games. They're like one of my favorite indie publishers. I had to check out the new Transformer stuff they were doing. So I got some pics <laughs> of that stuff that's upcoming. I didn't get to demo anything there. They were packed as always. And uh, one thing I, I'm sad, I wish they would have got to the boat a little sooner. 
was they're doing a My Little Pony deck builder. So if there's any family gamers out there in our community that have young daughters that love My Little Pony, check it out. This is coming out pretty soon. I think they have pre-orders and you probably get it from your flags, uh, you know, when it comes out. But it looks pretty cool. I just wish Izzy didn't age out of MLP so late. You know, she's 13 and she's like, yeah, dad, I can't do pony anymore. It, it happens. Yeah, it's a little over. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. You could be a brony though. Or maybe uh, yeah, Jace, Jace could be a brony. Right. I keep teasing her because she didn't finish the last season on Netflix. And I'm like, you know, honey, it's going to go off net. You didn't even finish the last season. Like, I kind of need closure because I've watched every <laughs> single season of MLP with you. So I kind of need to know what happens. And she's like, just, I, just be I like, was going to say our, our eight year old boy back when he was six and a half seven was the one pushing for no we need to finish watching my little pony right yeah just all you just all you have to be is like listen listen i bought a pint of ben and jerry's yeah you and me will share this we'll watch my little pony (laughs) that's a good idea i need closure i need to know what happens i I get it and i mean it would be really sad if nick martinelli's sitting on the couch alone (laughs) with his myself he's uh he's getting chip-faced uh to quote sandra bullock from uh Miscongeniality with his Ben and Jerry's <laughs> watching right. my little puppy oh, crying into his, his crying Ben and into Jerry's. Well, what's going to happen? At Why did Sparkle? you do that, Twilight Sparkle? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, back to <laughs> the other thing that was really cool that was kind of announced last week was Clank. Uh, I am a huge, huge Clank fanatic. I love the game. Uh, I've introduced some friends at my game club to it recently. They are like Gaga over playing Clank. That's all they want to play when we get together now. So Direwolf Studios recently took the IP back, I believe, and they're publishing it themselves. So they uh, are coming up with a new version of Clank. So their new version of Clank coming out is called Clank Catacombs, which seems like it's your dungeon building. So instead of having the pre-built board, you're flipping over tiles. So their booth was pretty packed. It kind of got a you know far glance of it. I wasn't able to get in to try it, but that's definitely on my radar to check out. And I did see, I uh, overheard somebody uh, mentioning, as you're kind of explaining it, that you could use your Clank cards in the game. So if you're like me that has every version of Clank, almost every single promo card out there from Clank, you could interweave your other Clank cards into the game as well. So I thought that was kind of cool. So that was that was a surprise for me. Neat. Yeah. And then uh, some other cool stuff, the Wise Wizards. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Hero Realms. That's like almost like probably like my number two deck builder right after Clank. Uh, I stopped by them. I got to meet Debbie, who is one of the one of the head mm-hmm. honchos over there at Wise yeah. Wizards. Oh, yeah. Had a nice conversation and just shared the love, how much I love Hero Realms. Uh, I was going gaga. I've been playing a lot of Hero Realms, uh, the digital app. That's been oh, yeah, a we lot should, of my time and evening. We evenings. should be playing together. We, we should. should. Be, I have a postcard I can send you with a QR code, I think, for a free uh, version that I got. Oh, I mean, I have the game downloaded. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, stop by them, gave them some. I said the app is amazing. I told them after downloading this, I deleted Hearthstone promptly off all my, all my devices, <laughs> and I'm no longer playing Hearthstone. This is like my go-to digital game. So, uh, you know, amazing. And then a couple of little surprises I had uh, at the Margot booth. I didn't even hear about this. They released a, uh, a new streamlined version of Meeple Circus called Tiny Acrobats. And apparently huh. I bought the last copy that they had, like had. It wasn't like the daily limit. I had the last bought, got the last game off the oh, shelf. Wow. But it is a streamlined rules updated version of uh, Meeple Circus that you can actually, it's due to the booth, told me this is like a portable version. <laughs> so you could take <laughs> it with you. It's a lot smaller. So uh, I, Jace has been a big fan of the Meeple Circus, the whole family, actually. That one's been a lot of fun. So I picked up that one. And another game uh, from an indie publisher 
that I saw uh, is a game called Featherstone Games. I'm not sure if you're familiar with these folks. It's, no, uh, no. It's like, a, yeah, their first game is called Open Ocean. And it's literally a father and daughter team. Like she kind of inspired him to design this game and they kind of worked on it together. From what I understand, he kickstarted it uh, a couple years ago. And this is their, fo- their follow-up game they have. The one that I purchased was called the Winter Haven Woods. I was just set back by the artwork, how awesome and just beautiful it looked. It kind of had like almost like digital kind of PC graphic, like very modern kind of graphic kind of design yeah. to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you pull it up on their site look at it or on bgg and it, yeah it's like a simple set collection game with forest animals so the artwork kind of you know sucked me into it and i uh, picked that one up you know on the whim he gave me a quick you know the 30 second spiel and it's got to talk to him a little bit it was just neat hearing like this this father daughter team like he's got a younger sure. daughter they kind of worked in these games together so that was really neat to see uh, i picked that up and then uh i guess another Last couple surprises was uh, stopping by Floodgate. Uh, big Sagrada players in our house here. And I got the little peek at Sagrada Artisans, their new legacy Sagrada game. Yep, yep. So there's dice rolling and stuff. But then you're also going to be coloring things in with colored pencils, which I thought was really interesting. Not what I was expecting from huh. them. So they gave me this little sheet. I have another one I can scan it and send it to her. It looks like you can, they have a website on the back. You can check it out, too. I mean, I guess I can see that fitting in with the idea of yeah. a legacy game right. with the, you know, filling in the the colored windows. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. So it says you need, you know, a, a bunch of dice, a dice bag, uh, six colored pencils and uh, one to three friends to play this. Well, no, we're done. We, we can't here. do it. We don't have those. One so. to three. I don't know. One man. to three friends. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, other than I don't know a whole lot about it because they haven't released too much info about it, but uh, we've been huge Sagrada players later, lately in our house. We've been addicted. Another app we're addicted to. We picked up the Sagrada app for our iPhones and mm. we're playing it constantly. <laughs> so I'm hoping that increases our scores when we play like regular Sagrada. Sure. So. <laughs> All right. That's um, the hope, right? Well, to wrap this up, yeah. I have to ask about another game that I heard about. Yes. And again... We are, are neither sponsored by nor sponsored the Game Schooler podcast. However, <laughs> for Dr. Michael, I have to add, did you, did you see Twilight Inscription? No, I did not. You don't, do you know what I'm talking about? I am. I do not, sadly. I'm sorry. Okay, so you're familiar with Twilight Imperium. Yes. Oh, the, is this like the, the, the shorter version? I think I heard something. The, on no, this no? is okay. the completely insane Twilight Imperium roll and write called Twilight Inscription, which oh. from all reports puts Hadrian's Wall to shame yeah. on complexity. Okay. I'm looking at it on BGG right now and it's 90 to 120 minutes. Oh, wow. Wait, 3.4 for a roll and write. Oh, my. Yeah. What's Hadrian's it's, Wall? Hadrian's Wall is a oh what's a, what's the weight on BGG? I don't know. Okay, uh, that's a really good question. We'll look it up right now. Okay, Hadrian's Wall is only three point one hmm. on BGG. Wow, 3.4. so yeah, so I've heard a bunch of people talk about this. They seem uh, really really interested in how it's insanely complex. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's this is the kind of people you talk to. Bunch about of games. different. Mm-hmm. Oh my. There's like, there's a lot, there's a lot in this that it, wow. Oh, and I see that there's dry erase. So, yes. so it looks like you're marking things <laughs> off and then unmarking things. Yeah. Cause yeah. that's what we need to add. Yeah. So kind of, that was the one takeaway of a game I would have loved to have seen because I knew I would never take it home. Uh, yeah. That is a game that yeah. you can look for at a con sometime when you're willing to spend half a day playing. It. Yeah. See, that's my problem with cons. I'm not willing to <laughs> spend half a day playing anything, but I know. Anyway. Right. And that, that's, that was the challenge of being at Gen Con for one day too. Like, yeah. I, 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 I was I was a crazy shopper that day. That's I was in mm. shop mode. 
not play. All right. So, so we'll wrap it up with this. What was the one thing that, and maybe it's something you've already mentioned and that's fair. What was the one thing that you were the happiest that you were able to go to Gen Con and do, or the one thing that you are the most thankful that you got the opportunity to take care of? Oh man. Or see or whatever. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I would I would have to probably go with a being able to go this year because it's been a few years since I've get, you know had the opportunity to go. We only went for one day. I did feel real safe there. Our family's been very kind of COVID lockdown, and we're kind of still in that mindset. So I was a little apprehensive. That's why we only went done one day. But I got to hand it to Gen Con. They did an excellent job. I felt very safe there. It was very welcoming. There was people were kind as always. It was really nice to just go. See, I think publisher was excited to interact with people. So I made sure every time I went to a publisher's booth, you know, to thank them and to show them some gratitude and some love. Aside from that, you know, try to spread some positivity. If for me, it was just like, yeah, I was grabbing my. Li- I was just so excited to get the stinking hero quest little <laughs> sheets. Debbie from Wise Wizard hooked me up with, uh, you know, some some promo cards and stuff from Hero Realms. Yeah, it was. I think it was just thankful to be back at the con uh, next year. We've, you know, we're already trying to figure out what we're doing for next year. We're definitely going to go for the five days that we usually. Well, go maybe for. I'll be able to come next year. I don't know. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, it, it all is. depends. It all depends, right? So yeah, and then just and just seeing some of the some of the new stuff coming out because you know you can see things online and it's just cool to like see the buzz. Like mm-hmm. uh, I saw the follow up uh, Point City to Point Salad, so I, I got mm-hmm. to see a sneak peek of that, and that's not released yet. And this is patented stuff. family gamers. What's one thing? And- I know, right? <laughs> I know. Hey, you know what? Nick Nick's allowed to do that. We do that all the time. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Nick, there's, uh, there's many more things that you could talk about. I know we could, we could do this all day long. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to ask you about your experience? Definitely. Well, come plug for the family gamers community. I I help administrate on the page there. So come by the family gamers community and start up a thread, ask some questions. I'm sure we'll have a show posting there. So hit me up with any con questions, any of the games you've heard about. I can, I'll even probably go on there list a couple that were on my radar. They didn't get a chance to even talk about. Cause again, we're not doing a three hour show here. <laughs> so right. Right. But yeah. Hit me up on the family gamers community. And I'm email me at Nick at the family Awesome. Well, we'll go through our contact stuff as well. You can email me, Andrew at the family You can email me Anitra at the family Speaking of that community that Nick was talking about, you can find that at thefamilygamers.com forward slash community, or you can just go to Facebook and search for The Family Gamers Community. Very easy to find. You can find us on all kinds of social media at Family Gamers AA, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at least occasionally on TikTok. You can also find Nick on Twitter, I think, yep. uh, unless you've <laughs> stopped that. My handle is Shred Demon on Twitter. All right. With two Ds. With two Ds. All right. And you can head over to our YouTube channel, The Family Gamers on YouTube, to see all of our Snap reviews and the occasional silly stuff as well. Yes. If you want to show your Family Gamers super fan dumb, you can buy some Family Family Gamers merch or play games with your kids merch. That's my personal favorite. Yeah, you can get all that stuff on our merch store. Head over to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. We've got t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all sorts of stuff. Our episode 300 promo code episode 300, very hard to remember, is still live. You can get 30% off on your order. Sometimes it doesn't work and it's because our margins are low. So if it doesn't work and you want to pick something up, shoot me a message on any of the things that we've already listed and I will set up a special code for you. Uh, that will actually work. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. You should also go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and find out there how the team at First Move can help you pile up the victory points. 
All right, I think that's going to be it for us this week. We ran a little bit long, but I think that's okay. Lots of excitement about the best four days in gaming, they call it. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they call it's it. true. Gen Con. All right. So I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. But until then, everybody, play, play games, games with, with your kids. kids.